Welcome to the Skeptical Auditor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hernan Murdoch. Today, we continue our conversation with Kathleen Crawford, a trainer, consultant, content developer, and communications expert. In this episode, we talk about cross-cultural communications and ways to improve our ability to learn new things in our rapidly changing world. She also shares new experiences working on two projects and what made one of them particularly successful, while the other was not so. All that and more, starting now. So when we're talking about different skills and practices, because sometimes we think of these things, there's a definition, right, for skills and competencies and practices and so on. But when we bring all of these things together, what are some of the things that internal auditors should practice more of and and really should keep in line uh, and in mind as they go about doing their work? What are some of the things that they should be focusing on? One thing that occurs to me is that We need to be more mindful of um, what some people have labeled cross-cultural communication. So we've spoken about uh, communication uh, a little bit already, Uh, but I I think it's important to to realize that there are multiple generations in the workplace. For example, um, I am a woman of a certain age, and sometimes the people that I interact with are significantly uh, younger than I am. I also work with some people who are older than I am. And we tend to um, express ourselves or we may express ourselves differently. So I think it's important to be attentive to how people express themselves and to try to um, maybe match, not match entirely, because I'm certainly not going to use the, you know, some of the uh, slang that younger people use except sometimes when I'm around my nieces and nephews, now my great nieces and nephews. Um, But it it is something that I have observed in a personal sense. Um, You know, my I I come from a large family and um, as my nieces and nephews were growing up, they, uh, they sat at a kid's table at Thanksgiving and the adults sat at an adult's table at Thanksgiving. Don't worry, this does have a professional application in a second, but I, (laughs) I noticed, um, I noticed that when they were, uh, you know, sort of in their own tribe, they talked very differently and they, um, that a certain looseness and a certain shorthand that was, uh, it was easy to observe, but it was hard to understand. But then if they, um, say approached my mother, their grandmother, they spoke to her very differently, more formal, formally, um, um, more slowly sometimes, things like that. And so what I'm getting at is age and life experience and maybe even regions of the country or the world that you live in. Um, as we start to to meet up with each other and work together, auditor and, um, and client and, and auditor to auditor, I think it really is important to be... Um, mindful and accepting of and um, and curious about how people express themselves and how we work together to get things done. Um. 
So there are a couple of things that I'm hearing from what you're describing, and, and one of them is, is how we go beyond the traditional definition of cross-cultural, which is mm -hmm. kind of na national origin. Uh, right. And of course, you th can think in terms of religion and so on, but you're also thinking in terms of gender and age as also mm -hmm. elements of different cultures, right? your cohort uh, in some cases and so on. So, so that is one dimension, right? Be very attuned to all of those things. The other thing that I am hearing is the importance of being aware of these dynamics because not all of it is, is now happening face-to-face. -face. And, and when I say face-to-face, -face, by being physically in the same geographic location, right? We're now working from home. People are using video conferencing, whether it's, you know, GoToMeeting or whether it's Zoom or whether it's Steam or whatever platform you're using. But video conferencing is a tool that has been used as a result of the pandemic. But going forward, chances are we're going to use it continuously going forward. So that being the case, as a manager, as a leader, as a teammate, as someone who cares about your colleagues, I think it's very important that we look out for each other and we help coach each other so that we are able to navigate this new world because of, of that, let's call it different environment in which we are now going to work. So this right. is a very important point you're bringing to our attention here. Right. Uh, I also think... I think part of it too is to be um, willing, um, willing to um, to listen. It goes back to listening, doesn't it? Uh, to, really willing to listen, not to the words, but to the context underneath the words. Uh, that can be challenging sometimes when uh, when someone else has a different sort of accent or a different rhythm to speech. And it's, I think it's important to be um, uh, alert to that and really tune into that and listen hard and not be afraid. This is my opinion and I'd be happy to, um, to discuss this with you. Um, not be afraid to ask people to repeat themselves or to clarify what they're saying because if, if you finesse the listening, you miss so much. And I mean finesse in the negative sense, you know, like you're trying to blow by um, uh, what somebody says and hope that you'll figure it out as they get to the next sentence of the next sentence. And meanwhile, you've lost what they've just said. Right. Very good point. I, I think that that is an important thing to do. And, and there's a way to do it. Right. Sometimes people feel mm -hmm. that it will be rude to ask them to repeat or so. Uh, my experience has been that it's. Number one, risky, like you just highlighted, mm -hmm. but also it is a matter of how you ask. And you right. can ask in a very respectful and, and, and polite way, or you can be rude when you do. And, and that is really where the, the problem may surface from. So I, I agree with you. I, I think that that is an important thing to do because you may miss so much. And once again, going back to this environment where we are working with video conferencing, body language mm -hmm. is only limited. Uh, so from that perspective, then we're also to some extent missing on part of that communication. One of the things that I would like to highlight, uh, I mean not highlight, but uh, I would like your input on, is the ability to learn. So we've been mm -hmm. talking a bit about uh, skills and competencies and so on, but it appears to me that one of the success uh, elements for the future is going to be the ability to learn new things and learn it in new ways. Because historically, mm -hmm. a lot of what we learned was in a classroom, a traditional classroom with rows and, you know, right? And, and they had an instructor at the front and we'll talk and we'll do our thing. Uh, then, of course, we went from that very structure to maybe having those pods and those breakout groups, which is more interactive. But 
even then it's a lot on site. We're seeing right. now a lot of the learning taking place Video, video happening, learning on your own, and, and and I'm paying attention a lot to people talking about. You just Google it. There's probably a YouTube video out there somewhere, and they'll show you how to do something, right? So it's, it's again the way people learn is different. So what is your take about that ability to learn? I am insatiably curious. So you will never have to convince me to. Uh, to go out and Google it or to, uh, to ask somebody how to solve a particular problem or um, I noticed you're doing this this way. Why do you do it that way? Uh, so I'm, um, I am insatiably curious and I do believe that, um, that it's important to, to evolve or to stay current on things. Um, I, mm -hmm. I would do it anyway. Um, it certainly helps me in a professional context to be that curious and to be that committed to learning new things. But I, I probably would have done it anyway. And I think it goes back to what I said about, you know, going through to many different schools and meeting many different kinds of people. Um, I, I, well, I, I don't know what else to say, except I believe in it. <laughs> I believe it's important. Um, no, seriously, because the the people who invest in others as well as themselves are the ones who are going to be the leaders of um, leaders of the next generation. Being willing to experiment and to adapt is so vital. And, and the fact that the world is changing not only. Mm -hmm. uh, to the, to the extent that it is changing, right? There's a lot of change happening, but it is very deep as well, very substantial change happening as well. And in my experience, over the last few years, uh, observing some auditors who are, in some cases, getting very uncomfortable with, you know, traditional versus agile, or mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a business auditor, now I need to learn IT or cybersecurity, or, uh, you know, again, we can continue to talk about different ways right. and different uh, types of change that they are subject to, and or, or organizations that are buying and selling uh, divisions and, and, and merging and various things like those. So all of these dynamics uh, definitely bring to the surface this topic around ability to learn, adaptability, flexibility, uh, and, and the, the need for people to be able to function in that new world that we are now living in. Yeah, as you were talking, that's the word that hit me was adaptability. Um, I don't want to say adapt or die, but adapt or let be left behind, because unless we adapt, um, we're not going to make the progress that we hope to, whether that's as an individual contributor or um, as a team, as a nation, you know, you can you can take that that uh, telescope and kind of pull it out and look at the world. And if the world does not adapt, we're not going to um, we're not going to survive, or at least not survive in the way that we would like to. That was a little heavy. We'll right Didn't mean it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by ACI Learning. Are you looking for CPE credits, professional development, to continue your education, or a custom team training solution? Here at ACI Learning, we've been building high-quality training for over 40 years, meeting the needs of every learner. Our training solutions will keep you and your team engaged and motivated to learn, helping students stay sharp in their field and better serve the organization. Join thousands of global audit risk and compliance professionals. Visit acilearning.com to find out how we're disrupting the audit learning space.
Kathleen, when you think about the many projects you have worked on over the years, is there one that you will label as the best project ever? Yes. You want to okay, know more? What does it like? <laughs> yes, please. Tell um, us about that. <laughs> so I, uh, I was working for a social service agency here in Massachusetts and, um, over time, they had um, they had taken on a lot of um, money management responsibility for uh, for people who they served that were unable to to manage their money themselves. So they're a representative payee for quite a few um, quite a few individuals, and that role had had grown quite a lot, um, and it was being done a lot of different ways because this is a um, geographically dispersed agency. So the best project I worked on was um, was after I left the agency and they hired me back as a consultant to help them get their arms around this particular issue. Um, they were having some difficulty with uh, with proper reconciliation and um, and adherence to all the rules and things like that. So the reason that I loved this particular project is that. Um, it allowed me to um, to interact with all sorts of people in all different parts of the agency and and problem solve and brainstorm about how to get it right, how to streamline things, how to make things consistent. Um, and And many of the things that we have spoken about before, the problem solving, the collaboration, the um, the clear communication all came together. Um, it, it took a long time, but the, the, the ride was fun. The people were great. Um, we solved problems and, um, and uh, they had some real um, positive uh, consequences in terms of, um, of not having to pay back money that they had not you know, accounted for properly. They got they got really um, really creative and good about uh, about uh, doing things in a more consistent fashion. It was one of the best things that what uh, one of the best things ever. And then um, and then we also collaborated on the training program so that we could teach other people in the agency how to do it. And that was another part of it that was also a huge amount of fun. So and a lot of fun did a lot of good and um, and I'm, it's something I'm really, really proud of. And I'm really proud of the people who, who uh, participated and made it happen. Sounds like a very productive engagement in that it was not the traditional audit in the sense of going to find out what's broken and how you can write them up. But, yeah. uh, you know, starting from the point of, you know, there are issues, they know there are issues, let's document those. But more importantly, let's work together to find ways of fixing them sustainably. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that this sounds like a very productive engagement at so many levels. Now, let's turn that around a little bit. And how about, let's label it the worst project ever, if there's such a thing. It may not be the worst ever, but the one that is most memorable is an assignment that I was given by our same agency, but while I was employed by them, not as an outside consultant. Um, our 
the CEO at the time um, was someone who was very, very active in the disability space all around the country. And uh, he came back from a, um, a conference of some sort and asked me to look into how we were using, um, how were we uh, using or misusing our, um, our payroll practices. So um, just to give people a little context, in order, um, in order to be able to staff a lot of programs 24-7, um, um, you have a cadre of people who work full-time, you have a cadre of people who work part-time, and then you have another class of employee that are on call, basically. And in order to manage the payroll dollars, if there is, say, someone who calls out sick, the protocol was to use, was to call somebody up who was one of those on-call people. Um, and so what he was interested in was whether or not we were being efficient and specifically committed to those protocols um, and uh, what kinds of, you know, were we using our money the way that other agencies use our money? And were we making it stretch as best we could? Because payroll, as you might expect in an agency like that, is the biggest expense. So very, very detailed yeah. analysis, um, went through the whole thing, um, learned that, uh, that, that they weren't um, using, they weren't always following the protocols. And I say they in the broadest possible sense. And so the recommendation was, Commit to your protocols. These are the procedures that you have. This is what should be happening. Um, and so, if you and and I also fi an, analyzed financially how much money would have been saved had they committed okay. to that. Mm -hmm. So presented it to him. He liked it, but he wanted his uh, senior VPs to sign off on it, and they said no. So a lot of work was done for oh. for to no effect at all. And sadly, or rather, I, I thought it was going to be sadly, um, he asked me to do the same thing about two years later. And I'm like, why <laughs> the same the two point? people, yeah. the same two people are, are your senior vice presidents, you know, they're going to say, we don't care. Um, but the difference between the first and the second was um, the, uh, the major hospitals in our region had recently changed their practices in terms of how many extra hours of overtime they would permit their um, their resident doctors and their, um, what's the other, not resident, but their two categories of medical students. Interns? Interns, thank you. Um, and having that sort of um, as a, um, as something that was, sort of off to the side, but relevant to the analysis, we, we started looking at whether or not um, excessive overtime had some, some unintended consequences in terms of health and safety. And it, we didn't have to look very far to find um, some incident reports that were definitely related to people working longer hours than they probably physically could or should. So the second one had a little bit of a different dimension um, the first one was definitely the worst project ever. Yeah. And the second oh, one wow. was more successful. 
Well, one of the things about these uh, experiences, right, is, is is what you learn from them, number one. Yeah. But uh, as I'm listening to this, and of course, different time, different place, uh, and different resources, but as I'm hearing the dynamics and, and what perhaps created the problem, it sounds like some of the technologies that we're talking about now, a lot about like RPA, robotic process automation, and so on, where automation may have precluded the ability to charge to the wrong account, to right. uh, solicit the wrong person, uh, right. reconciliation that were not done could have been flagged sooner or, or, or differently. So all of those dynamics could have probably been helped by some technology there. But again, looking for how we can extract some lessons out of all of those incidents. And and of course, compliance is a very tricky and delicate matter. So let, let's talk a little bit about uh, those individuals who may be new to uh, the profession of internal auditing and what kind of advice would you give them? My advice would be to um, take take every opportunity to learn that you can. Um, we talked about lifelong learning um, and my, you know, my insatiable curiosity. Um, I would also say that um, talk to people, um, be friendly. Um, there's still pockets of people who don't understand what internal audit is. And if you understand what it is, then try to educate others as to what it is. Try to also let them know what you have in mind to accomplish, but solicit their input. I would say um, I would give that same advice to anyone at whatever level um, when they go into a new organization, whether they're internal auditor or something else, because I think that's how you build um, rapport with people. That's how you build connection and bridges with others um, so that you can collaborate as opposed to um, doing audit to them, it's, it's, it's auditing with them. Um, so I'm, I think that um, my best advice would be to be curious as well as to, um, to present yourself as someone who is collaborative and curious and interested in learning how things work and how they might help um, solve problems and make things better. Great advice. I really think that this will be definitely very well received by those who are new to the profession. Like you said, those who are also in the profession, how they can continue to grow, develop, and, and be successful. So thank you very much, Kathleen. I really enjoyed speaking with you and great words of wisdom uh, that I extracted from it. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners will as well. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Skeptical Auditor podcast. And a big thank you to our guest, Kathleen Crawford. If you're looking for more ways to stay ahead of the curve and earn CPEs, check out Audit Pro TV On Demand, subscription learning for auditors by auditors. Visit acilearning.com slash auditprotv. TV.